Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, in the year 2021, we have a corpse as a president, a demon vice president, borderless nations, really a borderless world, if you ask me, a false flag every other week or every week in 2021, as if like, you know, we didn't predict this. You know, we, we've been talking about when Biden gets in, there's going to be a move on guns. And this is a big step in what we're talking about this evening, the 45 steps to communism. Uh, which, Brandon, I don't know how you feel about it. I have an idea. Um, you know, I don't I don't know where we're going, though, guys. I know a lot of you out there are not comfortable with what is going on, what we're seeing in the news. I just saw an article today being March 24th, uh, 2021, that uh, the Supreme Court is in talks, or at least listening, to the idea of doing no-knock warrants to confiscate guns uh, of law-abiding citizens. The criminals can have all the guns that they want, but the law-abiding citizens, they need to get rid of those AR-15s, anything that can hold, or as Biden likes to call them, AR-14s. You know, dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. How do you fall upstairs, Brandon? I mean, tell me about some of this stuff. Like, why do you still support Joe Biden and the demon Kamala Harris? Well, first off, you're you're putting out a, a prediction there with the Supreme Court. If anything actually comes of that, we can talk about it at that time. I don't think that any kind of gun control is going to get passed in me this, neither, by the way, in this state, anyways. And we'll see what the uh, what the prospective policies would be when you when you start seeing the left put out their um, their policy propositions. Um, but yeah, a lot of people say that uh, this is exactly what the communists want, man. Um, and, and that is, I think, uh, what brings us to the topic today. Uh, so why, 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 in your opinion, as someone that isn't too worried about communism, you're a you admitted socialist, you're, you're not a, against socialism, which for the record, you know, socialism is a great idea on paper. But when you start dealing with the amount of people and the way that governments work, in my opinion, socialism only enriches the very, very elite. That's the common critique of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it keeps us all at the same level. For example, if we're all being, you know, socialism could work if, let's say I'm making $40,000 a year, you're making $100,000 a year. Um, Maybe that $100,000 a year, you're not quite at that spot, that 125000 spot that you need to be to be like at the next level. And so you and I live in the same fucking type of a house, right? Um, you know, you don't have the opportunity to uh, get your, you know, get away from your Formica or whatever that, what's that, Formica, the countertop. And you you can't buy marble countertops. You got to you gotta just stick with kind of what the government gives you because you, you're barely getting by. Uh, you're eating the same types of food as someone that makes a lot more money than you, um, but not the millionaires and the billionaires, right? They're able to be in another area of freedom, right? And that's just that's just what a lot of people that are here in the U.S., especially supporters of freedom, um, you that, know. That's what we deal with too. You know? Sure, we yeah. do. But that's the thing is, um, 
you know, if if someone makes a little less money, but maybe they don't have as much uh, frivolous habits, maybe they don't go out to eat as much, maybe they don't drink as much or, or buy weed or, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, subjugate themselves to vices and things like that, maybe these types of people uh, are able to actually have a, a better quality of life than the person making $100,000 a year that is blowing all of their money, you know, someone that makes $100,000 a year but spends ninety on fun shit, mm-hmm. they might you know, not have as much opportunity to advance as that person that makes $40,000 a year and lives off of 12000 Well, I mean, you, you explain a, a dynamic there, but I think that this is the thing that a lot of people, when they talk about communists and when they're critical of communism, is, is that a lot of these hypotheticals that you're posing, those still apply to the capitalist society, too. Sure, the, the, and there's this, that saying, too, yeah. like the capitalism works until socialism has to bail it out, but it's, this is crony capitalism is what we're talking about here in the U.S., I don't know what the best system is. I don't think anyone really does. Um, fun little story before we get into it, though. You know, I, I uh, didn't really date a girl, um, but I was kind of like messing around with a girl uh, in like my college age. I was never I never went to college, clearly. But I, you know, was talking to a girl. She went to the U of A. She came here from Denmark, little Scandinavian chick. Um, really fun, really nice. Uh, seemed Americanized. Very, very much so. Um but I asked her why she left Denmark to come to school here because we were kind of having a debate about socialism versus capitalism. Even back then, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, socialism doesn't seem like it works anywhere. She was like, oh, no, it works. It works really well in Denmark. And I'm like, well, why'd you come here? You know, and she was like, well, the education's better here in the U.S. And, I, and then I asked her, well, are you going to go back to Denmark after you're done with school? And she said no. And my question was obviously why. And she was like, well, I like it here more. And it's like, well, why do you like it here more? You know what I mean? Like, wh- wh- if you're telling me that socialism works and it's like a utopia over there, which she was getting at that. She was saying that you that that uh, Denmark was great, how they run things. Um, but it wasn't great enough to leave there's the other, U.S. and go back. There's other things aside from your economic system, though, that, that, well, that define whether you like an area or not. Sure, but I'm saying that like the, uh, the, the United States is better than Denmark. And we're talking capitalism, socialism, communism, all these things here. Um, to me, it just doesn't make sense why, why you would leave an area. I have no desire to go to school or to get a job in any other country than the United States, right? I, I'd rather be here. It's great to visit other places, but I want to be here, man. Like for you, you live in a red state, you know, technically we're red. I mean, you know, we turn blue for the first time ever, uh, or first time in my, my lifetime at least. But I mean, why do you live in a red state? If if you like the blue policies, there's, there's so much. a great example. There's I have family and, and and friends here. It's not the economic system. I I benefit from it in the fact that this is a we are uh, in Tucson are like a medical hub. I, I benefit from that. Yeah. Um. And then, but that that goes into different conversations about the way that socialized medicine will work and things like that. So it, again, it's not just because of the economic system that determines like what yeah. what what is bad. But but I'll tell you what in 1918. Uh, just after World War One, uh, the American government was pretty fucking sure that the root of a whole bunch of their problems were um, were communist uh, infiltrators in the United States system. They're, they're, they are real. Like, we have uh, communist spies to concern ourselves with. The Cold War happened, seemed like in just the game theory um, that, that, that the human race was in at that time, seemed like a, a worthwhile push against communism, for sure. But in 1918... Just after World War One, this all really came to a head. People really started 
thinking about, hey, we see now this communist uprising uh, across the Atlantic there, and we don't really like it. It's antithetical to our values. And because of that, a Senate subcommittee called the Overman Committee was created with the mission of investigating the state of Bolshevist and German doctrine in the United States at that time. Bolshevism, remember, is the political party who initially enacted communism in Russia in 1917 after they killed the Tsar. The New York Times published the findings of that subcommittee in 1918, and I wanted to read a part of it. I think you'll, uh, you especially, Ryan, will see the, the relevance uh, really, really quickly. So the U.S. Sure. senators in this subcommittee, the Overman Committee, are saying that this kind of stuff is being done uh, under Bolshevism. So it says... Millions of dollars under Bolshevism uh-huh. has been expended in elections in connection with which federal officials were voted for by special interests through organizations of their own creation and by methods of their own adoption. That secrecy has surrounded these expenditures and the activities thereby induced. That the publicity and accounting sought for all political expenditures by the Corrupt Practices Acts of the federal and the several state governments has largely been defeated, that the federal corrupt practices statutes are entirely inadequate to meet present-day political methods and are easily evaded without involving a violation of the statute. But all that is all that is just to say there's some corrupt-ass elections going on over there. And even from the left, people like Jon Stewart uh, would say this is a very, very good reflection of even the election system that we've set up today. Doesn't it make sense, therefore, that the communists had a, had a part to play in it? Now, it should be noted that one of the recommendations made by the Overman Committee was to control and censor foreign language publications. Okay, so even if you guys think that the Overman Committee is here just policing for um, for bad ideas from uh, the Soviet Union coming into the United States, they're also censoring a whole bunch of foreign language publications. Um, many of them are saying the opposite of what a lot of American propaganda is saying after World War One and leading into World War Two. Um, the U.S. federal government never really adopted any policies based on the subcommittee's findings, so they didn't have too much power in the end. But the st- the committee still made a lot of waves. That same year, some anarcho-communist group sent 36 bombs to prominent American politicians who were being critical of communism. And the S- Senator Overman, who was the head of that Overman committee, uh, was included. He also got a bomb sent to him. This era from uh, 1919 to 1920 is known as the Red Scare, the first Red Scare. Um, there were many. Yeah, there well, there was a number of uh, similar subcommittees and committees in the House and the Senate in the U.S. after that, led by bipartisan congressmen. You had both uh, Democrats and Republicans, um, especially because they were going through a realignment phase at this time. They didn't quite stand for the things that they do now, um, that Republicans and the, and the Democrats. Um, so the investigation into communist influence in the United States was a bipartisan was was very very bipartisan, but was especially pushed by um, a lot of uh, Democrats and notably one uh, one Republican in particular, Joseph McCarthy. Um, Senator McCarthy in the nineteen in nineteen fifty claimed that fifty seven communists had infiltrated the United States uh, state gov- uh, excuse me the U S State Department. He said, "Quote." One thing to remember in discussing the communists in our government is that we are not dealing with spies who get 30 pieces of silver to to steal the blueprints of a new weapon. 
we are dealing with a far more sinister type of activity because it permits the enemy to guide and shape our policy. He's saying like these communists are already in our system and they're so, so deep that they're shaping the policy, the way that we talk about communism and the way that we protect ourselves from it. Um, the various investigations and hearings over which McCarthy presided are referred to as Red Scare 2 or the second Red Scare. Now, in 1962, after the Cold War had really heated up, an American conservative author and faith-based political theorist named Cleon Skousen published a book called The Naked Communist. And in it, he listed 45 steps that, according to him, any group would want to follow if they were looking to weaken American society in favor, in favor of Soviet supremacy on the world stage. And since this book's publication, again in 1962, many have claimed that these steps that we're going to go through in today's episode are mm -hmm. actively being followed today and that they're bearing fruit for the communist cause. Yeah. So before we get into that uh, list, what, Ryan, are your thoughts on the ways that communists were operating in the early to mid 20th century from what you know? You know, I really don't know anything about that dude at all. Um, from from what I understand, you know, based off of the research that I put into our last episode, it was, you know, very much uh, anti freedom, anti anti what what a lot of people were standing for, and it created a lot of social unrest. Right? You know, communism doesn't seem to uh, you know really benefit the people on a mass scale. It does seem to benefit the elite and government. And all of those things, uh, but there was there was one thing um, that I wanted to, to ask you before we get into it, um, just because you know, based off of like what we were talking about in the intro, um, when you're saying like the the family that you have here and things like that, um, and and I hope that that you understand where I'm coming from here. This isn't like to be mean or to be rude or anything. Right. Um, you have family in Colorado. You've got family in other areas too, and you don't interact with with your blood family here much, right? You you kind of made your own family here after you lived in Colorado. You you were in the Navy. You got to do a lot of other things uh, around the world, but then you came back to Arizona, which was a very red state when you came back, and then you made a family here, right? Um, but Colorado's a very blue state. Um, I know that that uh, you know you don't want to necessarily be there in Colorado. Um, but I, I, I don't think that, that the logic there adds up where you have family here and this is what brought you to Arizona after you lived here. I know you're born here. I'll, it, I'll tell you the only reason I came here is because my girlfriend has family here too. But and... didn't you meet her after you came back? Cause you were living in Phoenix for a while and then you came no, to No, we met in, in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Well then, so then, then that's what brought you here back to Tucson was because you wanted to, to be around this individual. But then she's very liberal too. So why did she come here? Because she has family here, right? Um, but that just doesn't add up because if you guys are all liberal, because I'm assuming that her parents are too, right? Why Arizona? You know, because it was very red at the time. I mean, if, 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 so how, how about this? Your criticism of blue people living in red states lives up just as well to red people living in blue states. Sure. But are you we're saying not that every, that the Republican argument is null and void because there are Republicans living in California? Not at all. Okay. What I'm saying is that I'm talking about like you being a supporter of communism um, and then uh, socialism as well. Why? come to a state that at the time was so against that stuff right and i know that you're more tapped into the political things going on than your girlfriend is 
Um, but it just, to me, it just doesn't add up. Like why, why I'll tell you, here? it plays no part in my, in my, in sure. My, well, yeah, yeah, I know that because yeah, like I've, I've heard the way that she th- talks about things and, and like you guys obviously probably disagree on a lot. Um, I just don't, I don't get the, the big communist push, especially when you're living in a place that does have like the gun laws, which I know that you're not a big supporter of the, uh, you know, the, the unrestricted second amendment where this is where, uh, you know, no background checks, which, you know, I'm in support of background checks. I'm in support of some of these things. Um, but it seems like a lot of these rights are being taken away from us one step at a time. It's a trickle effect. It's not just, we're going to go door to door and take guns away. Like you said in the beginning that, you know, you don't see that happening. The Supreme court is hearing this right now. Uh, and, and right now is, uh, Wednesday, March, uh, 24th, 2021, they're hearing this. Um, they're not going to do anything about it right now. <clears throat> this is a, it's a programming to get us used to the conversation where, yeah, they're going to come for our guns eventually, right? This is what we're, we're being programmed to understand at this point. Um, <clears throat> I guess I guess to me it just doesn't make sense. But it probably in the same way that it doesn't make sense to you why I am in such support of like, I think that that every every citizen should have, you know, a fully no, automatic... What I I I can understand your perspective on, on well sure too, yeah. yeah you can understand it. you just don't agree with it right, right. so I, maybe that's not the best way to say it but I just think that uh, there's just something that doesn't add up with people that just really disagree with the uh, the policies of regions or states or cities we do live in a blue city Tucson is a blue city yeah. um, but my argument for living in this city is that I do have family that I interact with every single day here. Um, and so that's why I can't leave. I actually did talk about with my dad moving to Texas and like what, what that would do, um, to our relationship, uh, with my family. Like, again, I interact with a lot. Um, and I'm a, I'm a mama and daddy's boy. Like I'm very much, I very much need to be near them. Um, God forbid something bad happens. I have to be there. Um, so that, that is what keeps me in a, in a blue city. Uh, which I still do believe is a red state, but I do have to give props to our uh, mayor, who's very, very liberal, Regina Romero. Um, contrary to popular belief, um, you know, DHS kind of took credit for shutting down our borders, which Biden just opened up. Um, you see the the photos of tons and tons of immigrants wearing Biden shirts. Which how the fuck did they get these Biden shirts, right? Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, you get them like the Super Bowl, like in 2016, they just sent them to. Well, uh, no, they had the they didn't have any date. Uh, yeah. Like the losers. They sent the, the show to the shirts to Africa. Um, but, you know, all of these these people are coming across and there's interviews of these migrants saying, like, we came here because of Biden. If Trump was in office, we wouldn't come. <laughs> and and Stephen Crowder makes this funny joke where the guy's like, oh, yeah, he he does what he says, man. Trump does what he says. You can't come here if he's in charge. But so like, well, I'll just point out that you though you just use the same defense that I'm using for living in a blue city. Yeah, but yeah. I interact with my family a lot more. My my actual blood family. I'm like saying I said, this is this is my family. You sure. Yeah, that? you made them here though, right? right? You, like you made that family here, and that's undeniable. I mean, that's Hawaii. Not, well, you, you didn't get really involved. You didn't buy a house together in Hawaii. You bought a house in Tucson, right? Right. So that's but you're my talking point. about making a family. Well, yeah, you met Hawaii, there. Yeah. I'm sure that you didn't like. You know, maybe you, you did have love at we first were, sight. We were living there. We were, we were living together there, yeah. In Hawaii? Well, yeah. sure, man. But but why didn't you stay in Hawaii? That's a very blue area. You know what I mean? Because it's expensive as shit, and I uh, and, and oh, I was a blue, a blue state's expensive? Yeah, we make more money in blue states, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it all goes away, though. So, I mean, if you make more money... Arizona doesn't make a fucking dime to the federal government. 
the coasts, the blue, the blue states are the only thing that are producing for this for this country. You have to understand that. You gotta, you gotta really uh, think about Texas, though. Texas makes a lot of money for the for the country, for sure, for sure. And that's the most red state, right? Um, but my point is, if you're making more money in these blue states, why not stay in the blue states? It's because you got to pay more taxes, right? They're more socialist in those blue states. No, it's not more taxes. It's more. It's higher property t- uh, prices. Well, sure. So that's socialism, right? In a no, way. no, no. That's just more rich people are living in that well, area. Yeah, I you're mean, producing you can... more. Like Silicon Valley is a great example of it. Yeah. Sure, but yeah, but they're, it, it, I mean, they call it California for a reason. You know what I mean? You have to pay so much in those areas, and, and that's the problem with those areas. Yeah, you can make a ton of money if you make a hundred thousand dollars. Nice areas too. Sure, they are, yeah. but but they ruin these. I mean, there's there's nice areas here. There's nice areas in Texas. There's nice areas in Missouri. Nice areas in Florida. Uh, very nice areas in Florida. There's um, more money being put into those areas in blue states, though, obviously. In red areas? In blue states. There's more money being put into blue states. There's more uh, city expenditures in blue states than there are in red states. Okay. Well, so my point, though, is that uh, if you're making more money in a blue state mm-hmm. and then you're having to spend more, doesn't the spending more cancel out the amount of money that you're making? Yeah, you feel good saying that you, I make $120,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But that $120,000 a year goes a lot less yeah, and it than works, it does and in it a red the, state. And it works the opposite, too. Well, right? I mean, we have shit income here. We also have pay shit for property. Well, our minimum wage isn't that bad on a, on a, on a national scale at all in, in, in Arizona, right? right? So with that being said that that minimum wage that we have goes a lot farther than it does and there's this big uh you know Which conversation is a blue, blue push by the way sure well that's fine but i don't i don't agree necessarily with just flipping it from i think that it's like uh it, it varies by state i think that we're 1050 or 1025 something here it's 12 yeah 12 it is now mm-hmm. okay cool so with us moving up from 13 or from we'll call it 13 because it's 12 and change probably right or is it 12 even? 12 12 okay so 12 to 15 that's what uh 20 percent increase from from 12 to 15 something like that that's that's a big deal to put onto small businesses and that is a socialist thing where you're getting small businesses out and you're you're kind of giving the the big leg up to big business which they already have plenty going for them um, but what they're going to do, what these big businesses are going to do, they're going to take away benefits from their employees, right? So it's just, I mean, we can go all day about the the reasons of why you want to live in a blue state or a red state or why you want to subject yourself to these different policies. If I could live anywhere and if I could move with my family, it'd be Texas right now, me personally. Um, they're pretty much independent. Yes, they had that situation that happened over in the winter, uh, you know, in this winter storm, but, uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that too that are very, very. Interesting. I know you don't want to own that one either. I got you. Well, no, I do. I'm saying that, like, you know, when you have this company that literally is running off the same business model as Enron, when they knew that this winter storm was coming, and then they jacked the prices up, and then they asked Biden, not Biden himself, but the the uh, Department of Energy guy, whoever said that, they asked him, "Can we kind of like forego?" these green policies that we're going to start, you know, dealing with, can we just get some energy stored up so that we can power our houses during the storm? They said no. And then two days after it started, they say, yeah. So it makes Texas look bad. 
You know what I mean? It, because they're the only state that has their own their own energy thing going on. Um, but I don't want to talk about this all day, man. I, I do want to get into these 45 steps. Obviously, we're not going to talk about every single one in depth. Yeah. But we're going to kind of hit on the ones that are more relevant and that have more meat to them. Um, but are, do you want to list them? Or are you going to go from one to 45 or 45 to one? Yeah, we'll go to one to 45. They have some some uh, like genres, some categories that, that you guys will notice. I think it's important to go off the front of just understanding how basic the communist push is, even from someone uh, like this Christian right wing uh, historian who's proposing that these things, that these are the steps that, that, uh, uh, communists would follow in, in taking over the world. Um, and I'm not going to say that some of these things aren't happening. I'm just saying that they're probably happening for different reasons than what, uh, Senor Skousen here is, is, is saying, but yeah, let's get into the list here. So, uh, the first one is, uh, that you, the U S should accept coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war. Now, remember Russia has nukes at that time, uh, uh, the time that these steps are being written. So by creating nukes of their own, Russia had established military power and had introduced the world to the concept of mutually assured destruction. Mutually assured destruction is the idea that war and other kind of shenanigans between powerhouses like the U.S. and the USSR would be less likely to occur if both countries had the ability to wipe each other out with nuclear, with a nuclear arsenal. Um, now that makes some sense, actually mutual assured destruction actually kind of does make sense. But if you were a Russian spy and you did have access to propaganda factories like the media and the military, well, you'd be really happy knowing that the idea of mutually assured destruction had taken root in American minds. You'd be happy as a Russian spy knowing that the U.S. knows that atomic war, nuclear war, as we call it today, is a real possibility and that therefore the U.S. should accept the USSR as a legitimate global power. So he's Sousen is, is saying in this step, like at, at the time that he's writing it, the U.S. does not see in his mind coexistence with Russia as uh, there's, there's, there's no there's that's not an alternative. And that what the communists want to put into our minds is that it is an, uh, it is an alternative to um, the Russians being wiped out because of the fact that the Russians had uh, some nuclear weapons in their arsenal. So number two, uh, the U.S. should be willing to capitulate in preference to engaging in atomic war. That's kind of saying the same thing. A, commun a communist sympathizer wants the U.S., to acknowledge the USR as USSR as legitimate, a possible ally, and to work in tandem with Russia on the world stage instead of letting US the, the US take the lead. This is kind of what the, the criticism behind the UN is, because we are kind of shoving off our American exceptionalism and the way that we think the world should be ruled and the for the power that we have invested in making sure that that's able to that we're able to make the changes that we want in the world. It, we're we're giving that away to some f foreign body of which Russia is a part. Who who the fuck wants that? Skousen says. Yeah. Uh, number three is to develop the illusion that total disarmament by the U.S. would be a demonstration of moral strength. Uh, this step you can see here is why the uh, the fact that Skousen is writing writing this way about the fact that disarmament of the U.S. nuclear capabilities would be such a, such a terrible thing. You can see how, like, the, the make love, not war 
the hippie mindset seems very, very reminiscent of the double speak that George Orwell warned about in 1984. So he, Skousen is speaking out specifically against the um, student protesters who are talking specifically about like, hey, just make love, not war, put the weapons down, get rid of these atomic weapons, and we will be a better country for it. Uh, and that's the, that's the way to re- lead the world. So Skousen is being critical of that idea. Interesting. Um, number four is to permit free trade between all nations, regardless of communist affiliation and regardless of whether or not items of war, excuse me, the items that are being traded could be used for war. So with this point, uh, Skousen is talking about the fact that lots of trade between two nations is legitimately healthy for diplomacy between these those two nations that are trading between uh, amongst each other. But that Skousen doesn't want the communist Russia to be included in that in that equation. We don't. He doesn't want any healthy trade going between them because of the way that the Russians have proven themselves to take whatever they trade from us and just turn it into a, a weapon of some sort. At least that's what Skousen's saying. Okay. Num- number five is to extend long-term loans to Russia and Soviet satellites. That's a problem, dude. Honestly, a lot right? of I mean that is that is a globalism push, right? This is sure. This would allow for the dec- the economic development of Russia and any other country who chooses to commit uh, to commensurate with Russia. And in your mind, you're, so you're anti-globalist. You're, well, and this is what Hitler was doing too, man. Like this is why he like a, a lot of capitalists in the United States. And obviously, like the ones that were really uh, the elites, they were saying that they were in awe of what he was able to do with Germany's uh, economy because he took out these loans that he never had the intention of paying back. So if you're extending long-term loans, I mean, you're never paying them back if you keep extending and extending, right? So a good way to build a nation, obviously, though. Well, sure it is, but... If you're going to build a nation off of uh, loaned money, I mean, it should be paid back, obviously. And if you're going to extend it, this is the whole thing, like the, the two weeks to, to flatten the curve. Uh, and here's the, the you know, we're past the anniversary, the year anniversary of that statement. So if you just keep saying, let's extend it. Well, okay, we're coming up to the deadline. Let's extend it more, you know. So that is a big problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes in, in tandem with number six here, where it's provide it says provide air american aid to all nations regardless of communist domination now foreign aid makes up still like two to three percent of the federal budget um i don't i don't have a problem with extending foreign aid to uh communist countries that are really really hurting what do you what do you what's your vibe on that though uh, on what's that? I'm sorry. I'm reading this breaking news that just popped up where it is uh, Biden, uh, Biden administration puts Kamala Harris in charge of child trafficking crisis at the southern border, which is up 1900 percent right now uh, because of the the uh, the migrants coming from, we you know, all we of, won't ship them back. Yeah, yeah. All of South, uh, yeah, all out of South America up to uh, here. And so there's a lot of child trafficking going on. Um, Kamala Harris is going to be in charge of that, so we'll see how she handles that crisis. But what was your question, man? Uh, what What do you think about the idea of providing America providing foreign aid to countries, even if though they're developing countries, but they have communist ties to them? Do you think that is a good reason to not give money to them? Are we considering China a developing country? No, I don't think so. They consider themselves a developing country. So they I, are. I'm not. I'm saying. Well, they do. That's the thing. So when you say developing country, China is a developing country. 
by definition, they, I mean, they deem themselves a developing country. So the world honors that commitment. So yes, that's absolutely a problem because we're not talking about, uh, you know, Honduras or any of these uh, countries that truly need help. We're talking about China in that case. And you can, you can look that up right now. Is China a developing country? I mean, it's a hundred percent factually true that they are in fact a developing country by their own definition because they haven't gotten to the same place the united states and this is a big problem too that china their economy is not as strong as we are believed to think like we're forced to believe um so yeah huge problem huge problem with that i think the the world bank is the one who would need convincing that he's that they're a developing country though right? sure yeah. well i mean they acknowledge that they're a developing country you know what i mean this is the problem when you say definitions all like china is so shysty the government that is not the people but the government is very very shysty and they will say yes that uh you know they are a world superpower but at the same time they're a developing country and so when you when you say like uh when you when you put these guidelines through um, China, all that they have to say is, yeah, we're a developing country. Yes, praise. Going to cost a lot of money. Give us money, praise. <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of orange chicken. You can create Panda Express. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a little bit of your money. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do think that that's a problem because, um, you know, Russia can't say that they're a developing country even though, I mean, they're they're in the same spot as China, right? Um yeah, I mean it's tough. Whenever you say that you're that you're giving money to a country that meets these guidelines, absolutely. And then when you start talking about how China and India uh, contribute eighty eight percent of the uh, emissions, but then the United States has this big crackdown on cutting down carbon. Um, I mean, it, it just uh, it, we are playing into a game that China created, in my opinion, in this point. And I think that as we go on through these steps, we can we can uh, see if I'm right or wrong. Well, number seven has something to do with that, too. What's that? So it grant recognition of red China and admission of red China to the U.N., which actually happened in 1971, by the way. Interesting. And so this was after this stuff was was created, right? After these 45 steps well, were this thought is, yeah, of. Yeah, about nine years later, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... It, it's interesting, man. When we get into these steps, like, you know, the farther and farther we go, you'll see that a lot of these fucking steps are crossed off. If not all of them, you know, most of them are. And and it is interesting that they're 45 steps because Donald Trump was the 45th president. And then after that, we're seeing like, okay, the 45 is done. You know what I mean? We're going in, in into the, the area beyond that, you know? So, I mean, maybe it's a coincidence, you know, that I like finding patterns, but um, I mean... Yeah, I, I think that it's very, very interesting that China is accepted as as a world worldly friend, even though they have concentration camps there, right? For the Uyghurs. And in Biden's own words, this is just part of their culture, man. Right? Come on, man. This is part of their culture. So like how how long he's, are people he's gonna quite, stand? He's been quite a critical of that, by the way. No, he hasn't. Yeah, he has. Have you seen him say you want me that to this find you a quote? Sure, okay. from CNN, I'm sure, but I'm no, I'm no, just anyway. saying, dude. When he Biden's been critical of of the Uyghurs, of the Uyghur camp situation, yeah. Okay, well, I'd like to hear a quote. Um, but I mean, yeah, dude, I, I've seen him on mainstream media news saying that, you know, this is part of their culture. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure that they found some quote from him saying that that it's not cool. But um, which and is what I, it, which is what it would be? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to know the date. But why? Why support them? Why get back into the World Health Organization? And why not do be as strict as Donald Trump was against China when when Biden is buddy buddy? He talks nothing but good things about Xi Jinping. 
at all, dude. Like he never has, I've never heard him say a bad word about the dude. I've seen him cheers in with him, you know, I mean, they're, they're buddy, buddy. Well, why get back into the World Health Organization is because you help, care about world health, I think. No, man. You know that that's not what that's about. That's about that money think, laundering. I know that you think that that's not what it's about. It's about I'm money saying. laundering. And, I know, that, and no, then no, I know more, that's your perspective. I'm just saying sure. that that is in, under under my explanation of why Biden's doing that is because he cared about world did health. Did you see yeah. the information that came out today talking about how the virus did come, in fact, from that Wuhan lab, even though the World Health Organization went over there to see if it did? From and who? they said it did not? From who? What's, the Wuhan lab in China. No, I know, but what statement? You're saying a statement said that it came from there. I, I'm not sure where it came from, but I do know that they were, that that information came out today, and it says that that they found like bombshell evidence that China and the Wuhan lab was responsible for COVID-19 and the outbreak. And I mean, this isn't even like a, a up for debate type thing because well, what it, it matters if it came from someone. What if it got came from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? Would you believe it then? Uh, well, I mean, it depends what she's sourcing, right? But I mean, you're like the same way that you're looking up the information that you gave me. Right. Uh, I I don't know off the top of my head where it came from. I can look it up for you. Right. But um, and, you know, it's it's just a matter of like, why are we why are we giving so much credit? Why can't you call it the China virus, but you can call it the South African strain? Right. There's just this bending over to China, and it's just totally like it's empowering Xi Jinping, man. Um, I I don't know uh you know why why we think that Biden isn't pro-China you know it's pretty obvious with this thing with Eric Swalwell you know he's put back on this committee that he was kicked off of for a second um the intelligence committee even though he's fucking a Chinese spy I mean like do you see a problem with a member of Congress fucking a Chinese spy and then being put back onto the intelligence committee after I'm sure you don't no, but no why do. not no no, no I, I do I just don't think that she's a spy she is a spy dude it's fucking do you know her name uh, Mitch McConnell's wife, the uh... no Fang Fang dude. It's a it's a. I don't even think you know the story. So Eric Swalwell was fucking a girl named Fang Fang. Okay, and uh, no, um, not Mitch McConnell's wife because yeah, we have the the issue with uh, Feinstein who was being driven around for months by a Chinese spy and her that's her her chauffeur. Um, but Eric Swalwell and Fang Fang, you can look up that story. And he's not fucking Mitch McConnell's wife. Um, you know, that'd be interesting if that was the case. It'd be like a House of Cards oh, story. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mitch McConnell's wife. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, Eric Swalwell. So, yeah, I mean, oh. look into that story, dude. I mean, like, this is a big problem where Eric Swalwell was fucking credibly. I mean, they admit that this lady named Fang Fang was a Chinese spy, Ch Chinese spy, communist Chinese spy. I'm starting to talk Chinese now because I'm drinking. But, like, you know, the problem here is, like, when, when we, you get this guy back onto the uh, Chinese Intelligence Committee and Eric Swalwell was also leading the charge in the impeachment of Donald Trump. You know what I mean? So there's this, there's this weird little situation going on where people are turning a blind eye to people like Swalwell who are in support and in cahoots, literally in bed with communist China. And then they're putting him back on intelligence committees. It's disgusting, dude. Right. Did you uh, find that statement? Uh, for I'm trying to look at the the Swalwell stuff, but I'll I'll look into it afterwards. Here, I thought that you were looking for the Biden uh, being against the Uyghurs. To, you want me to find that? Well, I want you to keep going with the I, steps. You should have this ready if you're uh if you're ready to dispute it. But let's go to uh, what do you got? Eight. Eight here is set up East and West Germany as separate. I'll states look for it for you. In spite of Kirsch, well, here, let's just get into it. I got the full statement here. So if you uh, this is Biden talking to Anderson Cooper about it. If you know anything about Chinese history. It has always been the time it always has excuse me it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home to vastly overstate it. Uh, 
The central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China, and he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that point. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect on the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in Western Mountain. I'm not going to speak out against that. He said he not, he's not going to speak and out so against that. And so the idea that I'm not going to speak out against it. That's fucked up. That's the so opposite at, of what he's saying. I'm he's, look, saying he's saying, look at the, uh, 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 consider the idea that I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing. He's saying that's a silly idea. No, but well, right here I'm saying that uh, on, on the New York Post, Biden says that the Uyghur genocide is part of, part of China's different, I'm assuming, culture is what it's going to pop up. So here. it says at the so end, New York Post, at, at the end of his answer, it says culturally forms. there are different norms yeah. that each country and their leaders are expected to follow. Justifying, that. but you see that just before this, he talks about how silly is it that I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong against the Uyghurs. So you see how just you read a few sentences before that and it's just fine. Yeah, like he actually is saying like, that's that's ridiculous. I don't know, man. I think that you need to say it's disgusting instead of uh, just being like, "Well, the idea that I'm going to speak out against that's ridiculous because we're uh, you know working together." I mean, no, you no, know. he's saying no, no, he's not saying that. He's saying the idea that I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong against the Uyghurs is ridiculous. Yeah, well, so there's your quote. So I'm reading <laughs> here from. Uh, NBC News that uh, Biden calls Chinese President Xi and criticizes abuse of Uyghurs, which let's let's hear that call. Um, but we need more than words. So, yeah, you can sit there and maybe maybe he did criticize him. OK, that's, that was the point that we were going. At, well, I'm yeah. seeing different. I'm seeing mixed things because right here I'm seeing that Biden is saying that uh, this is part of, of China's different norms. No, no. So, both things are true, though. He said that sure. later, and then you're ignoring what he said just before it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean, why are we going to uh, not criticize the idea that we're saying, like, this is just a normal thing for China, right? I I, I think that it's wrong, but this is a normal thing for China. That's like that's That would be like, um, you know, Truman saying that, uh, or whoever, Eisenhower, whoever it was, Saying that, like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm against what what Hitler's doing, but it's normal for them. You know what I mean? It, it's fucked up. It's not the way to that a president should be with something going on that's so fucked up. And then we have like uh, Nike and Apple running some of the worst death camps in history, but it's okay because of the people leading them. And and it seems to be a lot of liberals. Tim Cook. Well, yeah, but but Biden isn't the one saying that. Just to get back to the initial question. Well, no, we Biden is saying that. Biden is absolutely saying that, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, we just, we're reading really, literally right now that he's saying. Yeah. That just before what he said, I know you don't want to acknowledge what China. he's saying. No, no, that, no, that's fine. But you're saying that he sure. didn't speak out against them. Uh, I mean, it's different. To, what you're saying, I think, to me is is a little different. I think that we just have a different understanding of it, dude. But no, man, I, I definitely don't think that that he is in any kind of way going against what China's doing with the Uyghurs. You I understand I mean? that. I understand that. Yeah. And the Uyghurs are Christian. You know what I mean? They're they're Christian, uh, a Christian population, and it's a it's a fucking problem, dude. And it really is. And he's not going to do a damn thing to change that. And um, you know, the fact that he's putting Kamala Harris in charge of uh border the border crisis he told everyone come on over and jen saki in a press conference said if you have a 10 year old child you're free to come in right so just like the conversation that we have with the sheriff sheriff napier he was saying that there is a huge crisis where people go like these coyotes not the little wolf fucking breed like a uh you know biden thought um you remember that by the way no 
you know, in the debate. Of course not. Um, he was like, coyotes. Coyotes aren't taking kids. And it's like, yeah, they are. Literally, by definition, they are. Um, but, you know, Sh- Sheriff Napier was talking about how, you know, when when people are allowed to get over with kids, same policy that Obama had. If you have a kid, these are dreamers. They want to come, come across. These kids are not being taken over by their parents. They're being abducted, and then they come over on a wide scale. This is why child trafficking is up 1,900% in the first fucking three months, of, or almost, four, we'll, give, we'll give Biden a little credit here, four months of his presidency, dude. That's fucking horrible, we're, man. We're only one month into it, though, right? His presidency? Yeah. No, we're about three months into it. Biden? Yeah. He got inaugurated last month. January 20th, he got inaugurated. We're in March, dude. Sorry, two months. Yeah. So you're saying four Vaccine. Mo- so no, no, you're saying four months. So I'm thinking. January, we're, we're here in, in uh, we're the 24th. So this is, this is three months. January 20th, right? February. And then that's three months. All of January and all of February. And that's been two months. But we're, oh my God. March 24th. Yeah. January 20th, right? And then, so this is, we're three months in. Two, dude, two, you, it's two, okay, we're having, we're having January, number fights here. So look, I can show you on this calendar, January 20th, right there. Start from there. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, I was trying to give him credit by saying four months because just, four months would be even better, right? It would be better for him. I was just wondering why you came up with four and how you're still doing this math. Because I'm trying but, to give him credit by saying that it, it, I'm, I'm giving him the, like a grace period. But yeah, it is about three months that we're in right now. And child sex trafficking is up by it's two months. dude. Okay. Then that's worse. That's worse for your cause. So sure. Two months. Okay. No, no. We'll I'm just saying, months. look at the stats that you're saying. You're saying sure. If you're saying it's because of Biden's presidency. 1900 And you're saying it started four months ago. Well, then it's obviously not because of anything Biden has done. I'm saying it's up since his presidency, since he took office right here. So we got a 19% increase in child sex trafficking. By your words, two months. I was saying four months just to give a little bit of a grace period. Okay, I thought you were saying that the the this, the actual source was saying four months. I was like, well, the, the, the source has got some fucking math problems then. No, <laughs> okay. dude, I'm just saying that, like, you know, after, since Biden's come into office, there's this huge problem with sex trafficking. And that's a fucking issue, dude. Oh, for you sure. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I, I got you there. And okay. so, obviously, I'm trying to find the article here. But, yeah, keep going with your steps here, and I'll pull this up when I get it. Here. So, number eight of these steps uh, is to set up East and West Germany as separate states in spite of Kirchhoff's promise in 1955 to settle the Germany question by free elections under supervision of the UN. So this would solidify the split in German society. Yeah, supervision of the UN. That's not cool. Uh, yeah, so this would solidify the split in German society between the West and the East that had first begun after Germany's defeat in World War II. Number nine, uh, to prolong the conferences to ban atomic tests because the U.S. has agreed to suspend tests as long as the negotiations are in process. So they're saying, like, let's keep talking about it because as as long as we are talking about the ways that we deal with nuclear armament nuclear weapons being a reality in the world the u.s has said that they won't use them um number 10 is to allow all soviet satellites individual representation in the u.n right so that's broadening the umbrella of the u.n something that glo- uh, anti-globalists are very very much against um the 11th, the 11th step is to promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. If its charter is rewritten, demand that it will be set up as a one world government 
sorry, if its charter if its charter is written, demand that it be set up as a one world government with its own independent armies. Um, now, mainstream media says that the UN flat flatly they they'll say that the UN doesn't have its own independent uh, armed forces, and that those member countries donate armed forces to the UN's causes when necessary. Is that on your understanding? Because I also heard like ideas of what is it UN slash Chinese troops being camped out in Canada a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, is there, is there stuff, is there ideas out there that the UN has anything other than uh, an army of what the uh, individual representative comp- countries give to them? Uh, I'm not sure I'm understanding what you're asking about. No. I, so as far as like the stuff in, in uh, Canada goes, it, that is confirmed. That was actually a real thing that there were, uh, you know, these Chinese troops that, that Justin Trudeau allowed to do winter exercises up in Canada. Um, and this is why there was a big concern, uh, during the winter, like okay. during the time of the election, when, um, we were thinking that China was going to come in and try to ensure along with the UN, probably that the, uh, the China and the UN troops were going to come in and they were going to make sure that like their, the, the election went the, the way that they needed. Um, and, and this kind of adds into the entire idea of why uh, the, the wall is, is like erected around the Capitol and all that shit around the White House, all that. Um, you know, dictators need that kind of stuff. They need, they need walls to protect themselves. Right. They don't want a wall on our border, but they want a wall around their area that they're working in, right? just completely contradictory to to what uh you know they're saying so um i don't i i know i probably didn't answer your question very well, well i actually thought that that episode was dealing with something else and maybe a conspiracy about the u.n having their own army so maybe not but anyways okay uh number 12 here is to resist well, the u.n does have an army okay yeah so what what UN is that? soldiers the blue helmets you never seen those no no the blue helmets for sure but that's just what the individual countries are giving to them as armed, as armed forces yeah that's their army that's the u.n army for sure for sure okay so saying if there's anything other than that but that makes sense yeah well yeah that's the u.n army that's like uh i don't know if you've seen the memes of like uh like a blue helmet with a bunch of bullet holes in it and it's like if you if you fuck with the u.s you'll face an insurrection oh, so Jesus. bad that uh, your grandchildren will have nightmares. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, those are memes, you know, but, but uh, yeah, very interesting. Number 12 is to resist any attempt to outlaw the Communist Party. Uh, in 1951, in a case known as Dennis v. the United States, the Supreme Court ruled that it was lawful to prosecute 11 leaders of the Communist Party who were arguing for socialist reforms in, in the United States. Uh, some people will glance over this this episode and say it, call, see it as outlawing the Communist Party. The court called the Communist Party leaders and their activities a clear and present danger to the U.S. government and its public. Harrison Ford. Uh, huh? Harrison Ford, clear and present danger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In 1969, though, there was another Supreme Court case known as Brandenburg versus Ohio, where the Supreme Court overruled Dennis versus the United States, along with a whole bunch of related cases that had to do with censorship of communist efforts. So, uh, according to Skousen, uh, communists checked that one off their their, their list there. Um, Interesting. Number 13, do away with loyalty oaths. I don't really have a big thing for loyalty oaths. Like, I actually don't really care for them. I don't put any 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 weight into them do you get it's like the pledge of allegiance yeah do you get some sort of do you get some sort of like the pledge of allegiance to me was always weird okay so 
Because it, like, doesn't it seem like, why am I pledging to that fucking piece of fabric and not to some concept or some actual group of people? Yeah, I, I well, the idea you, you is can't, you can't just represent that really quickly, yeah, right? The idea is to, that you know. you're you're a you're a kid and that you literally are thinking that you pledge allegiance to that flag. Obviously, as adults, we know that there's a deeper meaning to the flag, right? Um, but yeah, dude, no, th- there's no fucking reason that uh, that kids should be. And so I'm not against them getting rid of the Pledge of Allegiance in schools like they did. Um, I think that, you know, our generation was one of the last to actually do the Pledge of Allegiance. That's the one that really comes to mind is, is you know, any kind of uh, what, do you, what do you call them? A, a vow to a loyalty oath. Loyalty oath. Yeah. I mean, unless you take a job. Or you you uh, undertake a cause that you need to do that. Like, uh, let's say I sign up to be a police officer, or I sign up to be a politician, or government, where you got to raise your right hand and you take an oath to to uh, to to protect the Constitution. Then, yeah, absolutely. But uh, as a citizen, no, I don't think that you should have to pledge even uh, loyalty to the United States. Right now, if you're not loyal to the United States, why the fuck you live here? Right? Why not leave? Um, but at the same time, I understand. Uh, why that would be a concern if people aren't going to pledge loyalty to right. the United States, especially immigrants, legal immigrants, not illegal ones, um, but legal immigrants. Uh, I could see why that's a concern, but no, man. Um, I think that, that that's one of the most beautiful things about the United States is that you can sit here and you can live in the comfort of the United States and you can say, fuck the United States all day long and you're not going to get your head cut off or you're not going to be you know put in front of a firing squad um, but you know, this is one of those things that a lot of people don't appreciate and they want to be more like Iraq or Iran or any of these places where you do get your head literally cut off. If you go against the person that's in charge, um, there would have been a lot of people that got their head cut off in the Trump administration if that was the case. Right. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's one that I'm not uh, too worried about at all. All right. Well, number 14 is continue giving Russia access to the U S patent office. I'll admit it. This this is a legal technical Fucked issue. Up. Yeah, that is just too hard of a nut for me to uh, to crack. Um, I wasn't able to find any notable case in which this became a problem for the U.S. Aside from just like good old fashioned spies stealing American technology. Uh, suffice to say that Russian access to American inventions would be a critical asset to the USSR's aspirations of any kind. This is. Um, uh, this is actually relates to one uh, actual spy ep- uh, spy episode that I know of, where there was someone working at the uh, Manhattan Project. He turned out in I think the late forties to be a communist spy. Manhattan Project, for those that don't know, was the uh, atomic bomb they dropped on Japan. Yeah, that was the whole thing leading to the thought Research, of yeah. maybe you know maybe the advancements that they made in that time. Uh, that the Russians made at that time were due to um, this this spy leaking things. But even in that case, this guy who got prosecuted for it, he allegedly said that he did it not to necessarily weaken America, but to even the playing field, to give two big countries nuclear arsenals so that that mutually, mutual assured destruction dynamic would arise. I don't know if I buy that all the way, but... Interesting. You're a Russian spy or a Russian spy. Uh, number 15, capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. Now, I wonder which party Skousen was referring to here. That's a, that's a real head-scratcher, right? Do you have any idea who he could be talking about there? Uh, the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, yeah, that's probably it, probably it. (laughs) Uh, Number 16, use technical decisions of the courts 
to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights. Now, the use of technical language and loopholes as a basis for legal uh, action is overall pretty scummy. Like, it doesn't, doesn't feel right. It feels like you shouldn't be arguing something on a technical basis. You should uh, go to the heart of the argument and bring that argument to the court. Ideally, I'm sure that the use, like attacking technical knowledge and, and using loopholes, it serves its purpose in a moral fashion somewhere. But I think that this step is illustrated in the Edward Snowden episode. So remember, Snowden saw stuff that the National Security Administration and its related agencies were up to, didn't like it, and blew his whistle. Uh, Snowden then fled the country, and Russia, in partnership with the UN's Council on Human Rights, provides asylum to, uh, to Snowden. Russia gives him citizenship, it actually gave him citizenship just a little bit, uh, just a little while ago, and now they're able to hold up. The Russians are able to hold up someone, an American citizen, who appears to many as like a poster child of American hypocrisy. Uh, and, and remember when and this has a lot of effect. I mean, remember even Trump when he was called to defend against accusations of him like simping for the Russians. President Trump said about the Russians like, "Hey, we've done terrible things too." You know, he's he's leveling the playing field there, saying like, "Look, we don't we have no moral high ground." That is exactly the process that Skousen was was worried about. That's exactly the step that he's talking about here, and you're seeing it fold out in that uh, in that context. I think interesting, dude. More breaking news here. I'm sorry to do this over and over again, but this is a great time to do this. Myanmar military, you know the the coup that's going on in, in Myanmar right now. Myanmar military seizes George Soros's bank accounts and issues arrest warrants for George Soros. Very interesting because a lot of people do think that. Uh, that we are, uh, hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that portion of the episode. If you want the rest, we got more over here on our Patreon patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast hope to see you there